Hey, podcast listeners. On this episode, we're talking about cybersecurity and change. We'll be talking with William Peteroy, the security CTO at Gigamon. But before we get started, I wanted to share a quote uh, to set the stage. This is a quote from Dana DC, who is the CIO of the Defense Department, a pretty big job. And he says, you can't have a discussion nowadays, whether you're in a policy discussion, an architecture discussion, or an operations discussion, without cyber being first and foremost in that conversation. So think about that and enjoy the podcast. Why don't you start off by introducing yourself and um, we'll go from there. Cool. Thanks for having me, Bill. Um, my name is William Peteroy. I am our security CTO at Gigamon. Okay. Uh, recently got acquired by Gigamon. Uh, previously started a small company called Iceberg in the network security space. Otherwise, I am an advisor and do some angel investing in security and enterprise technology. And then otherwise, I'm known by my parents as technical support. Your so, parents as technical yeah, support. Okay. Yeah, all, yeah. Of that, all of that to basically be... Uh, the first line of defense. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and I understand uh, you just became a dad as well, so you may be technical support to uh, another life in a couple of years, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have a six-month-old son, so okay. definitely exciting. And you're going to teach him all the things you already know when he uh, when he starts keyboarding, right, I imagine? Yeah, I think he's already actually figured out my Apple Watch, which is oh, terrifying. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, it's like one of his favorite things to play with. I have to be really careful. We're doing no screens right now. Okay. But you've got a mini screen on your wrist. Uh, I do, yeah. Okay. It's it's uh, it's challenging. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for joining today. Um, obviously, given your background, we're, we're going to talk about um, cybersecurity and technology. Um, and I'd love to just start off with a question in terms of in the, in the course of your history and your career, and you've done quite a bit of work in this space. Um, I know we know each other from, uh, you know, mutual acquaintances and also having done work in the government and military. Um, so you've done this work in private sector, public sector, uh, big firms, small firms. How has it changed from when you first started in this space? Um, and then a second question I'll ask is how did you find yourself getting to this space? Yeah, no, those are actually, I, th I feel like they're almost intertwined questions. Okay. So yeah. I'll start with the second one first. So the way that I got into the space is I was working in a job and we had a security uh, incident come up. Mm -hmm. And so we're all, I was working in an IT job and we all just kind of were sitting around the table looking at each other. And this is really before security was a, I'd say like set profession. Like it existed in the government, it existed in yeah. the military, but like it just wasn't really like a thing. There was no like security guy no necessarily. Team. Yeah. yeah, like there's no team. There was like... Very little, uh, very little that anybody actually sitting on the table are like, oh yeah, security thing, uh, that we knew about it. And really, I got into it because I was, you know, basically it came down to who wanted to raise their hand okay. and deal with this situation and really like go figure out what happened right. and how it wouldn't happen again and all those kinds of things. So I actually got engaged and involved that way. And then I think that that's really, to me, one of the things that's changed in security is that like it really started out as almost like a non-conscious thought mm -hmm. in information technology and infrastructure. And as we have seen kind of this change and shift from, 
you know, technology as infrastructure, you yep. know, like things like internet access that used to be like a really big deal and a limited resource to have that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking earlier uh, before we got on this about like how to make smart lava lamps. Right. And I, I think that, you know, that's <laughs> that in and of itself is kind of showing like how commoditized things like internet access are. And so like the shift from security being just kind of a, you know, a additional thing that you did as a network or IT admin, and then that shift into almost being its own thing, mm-hmm. like secure, like cybersecurity is very much its own profession now. Right. Uh, you can go to school. You can go to our alma mater. Yeah. And actually, Johns Hopkins. Yeah, Johns Hopkins. Uh, shameless plug there. Yeah. And you can actually get a degree in cybersecurity, yeah. which is nuts. Like there's a whole program around it. It's really cool. And so, it's it's been very interesting to see those things grow up. But now I feel like we're almost getting to a point where technology and infrastructure are moving so fast and we're seeing a shift from a lot of our, you know, our former clients and the folks that I know and work with uh, to, you know, these very large companies that were formerly like some kind of set business. Right. So like not quite brick and mortar, but you basically see a huge shift of like, hey, we used to do this, uh, but now we're actually a technology company. Now we actually build software. And I think that that shift to so many different companies building software as our lives become more digital, as things like internet access become the domain of like, hey, like I have a lava lamp that I can, you know, turn on and off from my phone. Like I think that's where when you look at security, it's it's changing because we went from this like very, you know, set aside sub-discipline and career field. Whereas now, like if you are not involving cybersecurity, in the overall process of building software, like that's where a lot of this risk is getting centralized. It's no longer like, you know, do we have good enough firewalls to keep out the bad guys? It's, oh, hey, we build this application that runs all of our critical business stack. And oh, by the way, we also sell it to our entire industry. And oh, by the way, like that's a huge business. And that's the business that for us is differentiated and growing. And so I think that's really for me, the biggest shift that I see and kind of the change that I see in security is this overall shift to a software centric view of security, which, you know, coming out of network security and DOD, like it's really strange. It's a whole mindset change. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, you talked about the pace of change and that's Mm -hmm. something that is close to home because that's what I get paid to do to help people with. Yeah. Um, I mean, even something like a cybersecurity program, right. Um, a degree or whatnot. I mean, is it, is it one of those things where the minute you put something on print, it has changed. I mean, we were joking before about the big orange book that NIST, yeah, NIST yeah. put out, um, which I'm going to go back and research the history of that. Um, but something like that, right? The big orange book had printed probably guidelines and guide, you know, guidance and guardrails of what security was. And the minute it hit the desk, it was out of date. How, how do people keep up with a pace of change in security when the minute you deploy or the minute you develop you're going to be out of date. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really going back to what I was talking about with change earlier. If you focus on just security as its own thing, yeah. you literally are constantly playing catch up because you are always out of date the second that you do something. Yeah. Like you're constantly trying to put controls in place. You're trying to modify things. Whereas if you actually embrace security as part of the program that you're building, you know, I was talking earlier about building out software. So if you build out software and you understand where your risk is around like, hey, here's the data we're collecting. Hey, here are the processes like we're letting users have like access to. And here's our services that we run. I think that by taking a more business centric view of security, like you actually are, it's the only way to actually stay on the leading edge of that. You're building it in. 
Yeah, because like it's part of your business process. Like yeah. managing risk is part of that, and I think that really the pace of change is changing with security because the pace of change in IT is yeah. is ultimately shifted. Like, you know, at Iceberg, we were able to build out an MVP in months mm-hmm. for like a very large scale data analytics yeah. company, which without things like AWS or Azure would be completely impossible. Right. And, you know, especially with the minimal staffing that we had and, yeah. you know, growing up at that time. And so you just look at that. I mean, we see in every large Fortune 50 that I work with, you'll see, you know, folks developing software, but then there's all these little like groups of, hey, we're going to go do Agile over here and oh, we're going to go do AWS or Azure. And you can see these things just like get started up and start up as a small project. And before you know it, it'll be a very, very large very project. One. Yeah. And so I think that going back and building security around that after the fact is yeah. really, really challenging yeah. um, because like you just can move so fast on the IT front and you know, that fundamentally presents a challenge to people defending networks, but a yeah. ton of opportunities to people attacking networks 100%, and data yeah. because right. like it, you know, it used to be that you had to attack a network to attack data, but with the cloud, you no longer have to do that. Like, yeah. If I get access to someone's cloud email provider, like I didn't have to compromise a single workstation, laptop, anything. You can do it from anywhere. Yeah, you yeah. can do it from anywhere, and all I have to do is, you know, there's a number of different ways to do it, but yeah. you know, convince you to type your password in somewhere, right. install it, you know, install an extension in your browser. Yeah. There's so many different avenues that don't involve like a traditional attack. Yeah. Uh, but yield the same, you know, same impact, yeah, which same is getting outcome. access. That kind of brings me to a question around culture change. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about how easy it is for people to get in, right? It can be a phishing attack. It can mm-hmm. be social engineering. It can be, you know, any any of these ways. And one of the things I've noticed that has evolved is, you know, you and I, back when we were supporting the military, we always used to say the biggest threats are inside, right? Mm-hmm. Because the person who accidentally leaves the door open or the person yeah. who leaves their, their station unlocked or what have you. Um, those are those are what present the opportunities. How do you feel that the, to me, that's a culture shift, right? Saying to an organization, your biggest threats are inside. Mm-hmm. And how do you change the culture to uh, A, understand that, and then B, uh, incorporate that and adjust to it? You probably see this in, in very different industries. Um, I would love your thoughts on that because that's something that I think probably a lot of executives still struggle with is the the culture change you need to do from the outside or excuse me from the inside before you uh can really solve for anything on the outside yeah i think it comes down to training and cybersecurity awareness okay i think those are largely kind of used as buzzwords in cybersecurity <laughs> yeah and so i would actually advocate for like things that are much more targeted so again going back to like the change and shift that i was talking about being more towards you know, businesses having high degrees of risk concentrated in applications and data. I think that it's absolutely critical to educate the people that are working with those applications and data Mm -hmm. because they fundamentally have some of the biggest, you know, ability to impact or scope of operation to actually control or understand like what the actual risk to the business is. So I think that the first thing is like educating them. Mm -hmm. So doing things like threat modeling, learning about secure development, life cycles for software, and then kind of letting that, you know, organically grow out from there. And then I think the second piece of it that I've seen that is just so critical is communications. Yeah. If you don't talk about it, like it's not going to be a thing. And it's amazing to me, like, how many programs just like stop at education? It's like okay, well we've educated everybody on the threat. Check check the box. Right, right? we've yeah, done our training for the year. Exactly, because <laughs> it is part of annual training and so yeah. many compliance requirements. And so you do your annual training, but like if you don't talk about it for three hundred and sixty four days, like guess what a problem is? Like I, I mean, it, so I think that that's where 
you know, where and why I would advocate for being more focused on that because you can actually achieve the results you want. Yeah. Like the expectation that, you know, if the end state we want is everyone has an understanding and is talking about cybersecurity across the company, I think that's a pretty high bar. Yeah. But I think that if we can get the people that are, you know, really on the front lines of managing risk for the business in these business critical roles that are building, you know, in some, in some industries, like the lifeblood of the future of that company yeah, is built around like the software and these operations and this delivery. I think that that's where, um, it needs to be more than lip service or more than like a, you know, CBT. Yeah. <laughs> so what, I mean, obviously knowing that, you know, the, the computer-based training, the yearly requirement and, you know, we're laughing because we've been, we've been through that, right. <laughs> yep. Many a time. How do you, like the communications is key. So I would almost ask the question, how do you how do you encourage the stories that need to happen in in the 364 days mm-hmm. that allow people to think about this proactively, right? I mean, there's probably not everything has to be the doomsday, you know, wake up call. But how do you do that in an organization or any or any um, you know, institution where until they have a crisis moment they don't pay attention to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that the a lot of what you're talking about is kind of this fundamental understanding of risk where mm-hmm. a lot of risk can be completely latent until they, you know, blow up in your face. Right. You're like, oh, that is a risk to the business. I would hope that with all the cybersecurity training and awareness that, like, folks are better educated around that. But I think that fundamentally, until you understand where you're at as a business and yeah. really take the time to measure, like, what, cybersecurity looks like in the business yeah and then also have a reasonable conversation with folks about where you want to be like until you can understand like those two things like i think you know from my perspective that's the foundation of security maturity Mm -hmm. like not only understanding where you are but also understanding where you want to be yeah and then i think that that really it can be a bottom-up or a top-down kind of conversation you know if you understand where you want to be you can build a roadmap as an executive, you can have those conversations and make those a part of your QBRs, make those yep. a part of annual planning. And so I think that even, you know, you don't have to have a crazy out there, like, oh my gosh, we're on the front lines of right. this. Like, we need to spend a, a ton of money and a ton of time on cybersecurity to, like, get value out of having security maturity. Like, really, even if your goal is just, like, to understand the challenges that you have, like, that's a perfectly acceptable place to start. Yeah. And I think that that's also kind of like one of the stigmas around information security is like, unless you're all in, like you're, you're not on the team. And I think that, you know, it has to be okay to say like, well, you know, this year's going to be about us understanding where we are and figure out where we're going to be. And I think that once you're there, you can build off of that foundation, but so few people have that. And so, Yeah, yeah, I think you, I think you make a really valid point around, it seems so intimidating because, you know, I, I think unintentionally it seems so exclusive right? That you've yeah. got to be, you've got to be on the technology team to talk about it. You've got to be able to touch a stack to talk about it. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to understand network in, you know, infrastructure. So what, so I hear what you're saying is that's not the case. In fact, more people should talk about it. So even if, even me as an organizational change management person should be thinking about risk and security from the get go, regardless of, you know, my, my expertise and depth in, in technology. I would also say that everything we touch these days, as you mentioned, there's a risk to it and understanding that risk and having a conversation, um, you know, in your day-to-day job is, uh, is something that people should be doing. Absolutely. And it can be as simple as understanding what outcomes you 
like absolutely must have. Yeah. Whether it's a business process, a piece of technology, like security really goes across this. Like what has to happen. Yeah. And then what absolutely cannot happen. Yeah. And if you have those left and right bounds, like You're that's you know the first step. Start towards, the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So let's talk about talent for uh, for a little bit because this is something that you don't have to look very far in the market mm-hmm. or on LinkedIn or anywhere else to realize that people like you and people in your sphere and with your technical mm-hmm. skill set are an extremely high demand. We are in a very tight market right now. Um, how do you go about getting talent? Um, mm-hmm. And how do you, how do you uh, support that talent to, to, to grow? Um, and I think every organization is probably thinking about this in some form or fashion. So um, would love your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that the first part of, like, how do you build talent in cybersecurity, I think that, you know, all successful teams that I've seen start around really a core, uh, whether it's a core person or it's a core tenant. Yeah. Like, you know, we were talking earlier about what does it take to kind of do security and where does security maturity start? Yeah. And I think that if you can have that conversation and say, like, hey, here's our vision for this. Yeah. Like, there are so many people in the security industry that are looking for that. Yeah. They're looking for somebody that can clearly articulate that. Yeah. Like, they will come in and they can attach to that idea. And then as you have people that attach to that idea, like, the teams can start to form. I think that from, like, a kind of, you know, talent acquisition perspective, I have hired and been a hiring manager in cybersecurity now for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, at DOD, at Microsoft, at Iceberg, and, yeah. you know, now at, at Gigamon. And I think that one of the biggest challenges is that cybersecurity for the, I'd say kind of for the more senior folks, it's a usually like a secondary career choice. Okay. Like they started out in IT, they started out as developers, they kind of like started out doing other things and then were drawn to security. And so that can bring like with it a ton of different cultures and values. Also like with the shift of security kind of going from being like a part of an organization to being its own organization, you can also get a lot of ego wrapped in and around that. And so, you know, from my perspective, I typically look to, you know, really build out a strong college hire program. Okay. I think that one of the best things that I've been able to do is build good relationships with universities that have strong programs yeah. and then really facilitate the folks that are coming in. And yeah. so, I mean, it's it's a lot like any other entry-level job, but if you can have a program where you understand what cybersecurity means to your business, uh, you understand what those folks need to do and deliver on in their job role, if you give them the structure to be yeah. able to be successful there, and you say, like, hey, we're just going to embrace having college hires, like, this is what we need them to be able to do, like, if it's application threat modeling, yeah. And you build out the training. And I think that that willingness to invest in talent is ultimately what I see making the difference between whether or not your security talent's there for like your average like 14 months. Wow. Or whether or not they're actually going to be there for, you know, three or four years. Yeah. And so I think that really comes down to investing in those people. And again, where the rate of change and like the mm-hmm. pace of everything going on in this industry is so just breakneck. Yeah. And I mean, we're ta- <laughs> we were talking earlier about academic programs and like as soon as you write something down it's almost out of date yeah i think that if you're not investing in that training for your cybersecurity personnel you're also doing yourself a disservice yeah as a business yeah because like how else are you supposed to know where things are where they're going how quickly they're getting there yeah. i think that that's really you know from my perspective the biggest thing that you can do to well and again whether it's junior or senior people to really invest in that invest yeah. in that as a business 
and really, I think, you know, in every scenario I've seen, it's been way more important to building that kind of trust yeah. and getting a positive return on that investment for personnel. No, that's great. I think it's, I think it's really interesting to think about, as we were talking before, about sometimes the exclusive feel of security and cybersecurity, right? It's, it's, it's uh, whether you, you're either in it or you're not. But I think the approach around college hires is really, really an interesting one because you're getting, I think, a really fresh mind. Yep. And you're asking that fresh mind to help solve problems or find problems that otherwise people wouldn't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, if, you, if you expand that a little further and we start to go outside of the corporation and we'll kind of, kind of finish up on this area in terms of you expand your lens or your aperture and you see where we're at in, in, the, in the world <laughs> with cybersecurity, um, it has become a political agenda item. It has become a military uh, tactic, more than a tactic, I would say. It's an entire, um, a, a whole nother terrain, if you will. Yep. Um, and it's definitely an economic impact. So not asking you to solve all those things or, or, or have a thesis on all of them, but you think about these things. These things probably keep you up at night as a citizen, as a father, as a consumer, as a, an executive. Mm-hmm. Um, just thoughts on that. Like it's, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger every day. So I'd love your thoughts on how that's changing. Do you think we're going in the right direction? Do you think there should be a, you know, some adjustments? Just thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that cybersecurity is interesting, especially from the attack side where you don't need a lot mm-hmm. to be a bad guy on the internet. Yeah. Like, it just isn't, it's not super challenging. Like, the knowledge is freely available. A lot of the tools that you would need are freely available. And so, like, you just, it doesn't take a lot to be a menace. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that is really difficult about cybersecurity is, like, kind of historically, when you look at, like, other forms of, like, kind of like other military items, so things like cryptography, like, yeah. the, you know, air quotes solution was, like, oh, well, we'll control access to that, and that way, like, it won't get out of hand, like, we'll control access to, like, these things that would give our adversaries an advantage, whether that's, like, you know, professionally and economically or, like, militarily. And the, the challenge with cybersecurity is that with the internet, it's impossible to do that. Yeah. There's no way to prevent access. And like anything else in technology or business, you just see these catch-up effects. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, like while we do spend large amounts and large quantities of money on military and intelligence applications, eventually we see the commercial side start to catch up. And one of the biggest challenges is you have an R&D machine that's basically funded by the government. Mm-hmm. So large nation state governments that's funneling innovation like in a very specific channel. Yeah. Um, but industry doesn't have that. You yeah. don't, there's no way for, you know, a venture capital backed, you know, company to be able to move at the same pace as like a nation state. Yeah. That's fully funded, operating at scale. And so realistically what you have is you have this just kind of like lasting asymmetry that exists. And I think that, you know, honestly, the, this is all a long form answer of like, I don't really know mm-hmm. because it's like a lot of other things where you have technological innovation, like what's the overall impact going to be? Yeah. It's hard to tell. Yeah, like, we can't. you know, I can kind of say, you know, I, I look at the rate of change. I look at how this like downstream effect happens, what that means for folks. You know, it's definitely interesting. And I think that the only other thing that's really, really different with cybersecurity 
is in a traditional operating theater. Like, yeah. we can all agree that, you know, physical warfare is not something that largely anyone's interested in. Yeah. And it's on anybody's best interest, like, especially, like, at a corporate level. Like, you know, that's just not a thing that we see, whereas we see incredible amounts of, like, economic espionage yeah. being perpetrated through, you know, cyber attacks. Yeah. And so when you look at this and you look at these, you know, hey, like, Bill, if we're sitting down with a client, you know, and we need to prep them for negotiations, like, it would be a lot easier if we had, like, the opposition's entire, like, you know, playbook and manual. And I think one of the things that's very challenging that I see folks struggling with, especially in North America and Europe, is this idea that they wouldn't be a target. Mm -hmm. Like, why would they come after us? And it's it kind of goes back to that, like, overall business risk thing. It's like, yeah. your business does something that's valuable, you inevitably interact with other people. Software is, you know, I can write software, you can write software. It's not something that's, you know, the ability to write software is not highly differentiated. Right. And so things like intellectual property, things like process advantages, like all of these things are really fair game. And I think that that's something that folks are just not, not really ready for. And it's definitely a challenge when you see from an incident response perspective, a company even a very large company yeah. with a ton of resources go head to head with a nation state and just get absolutely creamed. Yeah. Like, and you know, you come in as the instant responder, you sit down with the executives and they're like, I don't get it. How did this happen? We invest in cybersecurity. And you're like, well, yeah, you invest in cybersecurity. It's just that like your spending doesn't even cover the cost. My conversation with Will went on quite a while longer, but we'll have to cut it off there. I'm sure we'll welcome him back for a follow-on conversation. And if you'd like to hear more about what's changing in cybersecurity and the technology world, drop me a line. Thanks for listening.